listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Thank you for listening. The Infinite Smile Sangha is made possible by the generosity of friends, members, and people who have been touched by this teaching. Please visit our donations page at infinitesmile.org to help us continue our efforts in spreading the Dharma. Yesterday morning I was surfing around the blogosphere as I normally do on Sunday mornings, uh, just kind of checking in to see what was happening in the world. And uh, this thing flashed by that Adi Da, who's a spiritual teacher, died. Um, he's a very, very interesting person on a couple of different levels. Because so many people were so attracted to his realization, the form of realization he had, and his ability to express it, yet at the same time, there are probably few teachers, contemporary teachers, who got into more trouble in more ways than this guy. All over the map. I mean, <clears throat> financial impropriety, sexual impropriety. You, you pick, pick the precept, and it got violated in some really creative way in the community. And yet, there are few people, at least to my knowledge, that were able to generate an articulation as pure as his when it came to the sense of the absolute. So we can look at his passing and you know, know that there's an entire community of people that are grieving and so forth. Yet at the same time, his passing can be deeply instructive to each of us. Having a sense of the ultimate truth, even being deeply realized in an ultimate truth, is not enough. Sometimes I, I refer to that as halfway. Getting to the top of the mountain is only halfway. What's really important is that we come back down. We come back down into the same world, but we take the view with us. We're able to take different evolutionary steps in different ways because of what we have allowed in and through us in this process. And that may in fact be what we are afraid of more than anything else. What would happen if we were actually to bear witness, stand in a raw, kind of naked awareness of what truly is. Unprotected, undivided, just all there. 
all there. And yet, at the same time, we were able to live in the world in real practical ways. We could still get our Christmas shopping done on time. In the face of the chaos that is Broadway Plaza in Walnut Creek. That was an interesting experience the other day. Absolutely amazed. Absolutely amazed. And I'm so glad I had some type of stillness practice to support, <laughs> support me as I kind of uh, drove through town. But for each of us, essentially what we're trying to do here is face truth. Face the truth that everything is temporary. Face the truth that we are not our thoughts. Face the truth that we are not our bodies, ultimately. Face the truth that we are more than just that. We're that too. We are our bodies and we are our thoughts, but we're more. And so what we're trying to do is uncover a more complete story and a stillness practice helps us uncover that very naturally. It helps us recognize more and more and more that this work has less to do with what I say or what any teacher says and more of what you can reveal underneath the sense of I. This goes back to what we were talking about last week, the before all befores, the prior to all priors. The minute you can start seeing that is the minute that all the spiritual reading you have ever done in your life suddenly makes sense. Because you see that it is nothing that needs to be gained. In fact, it's everything that needs to be allowed comes this deep, radical allowance of what is. And in that allowance, as we begin to embody that allowance, the descent uh, has occurred. The descent, I should say maybe, is realized in this lifetime, in this life that we lead, in this circumstance that we're in, whatever that might be. And a teacher's job is to keep pointing us in that direction. Whether that teacher is, you know, formally sitting in front of us or they are our cat that has just shredded a piece of art in our home that was actually worth something. If you're nice, I'll tell you that story later, but... <laughs> oh, kitty. So tonight, please loosen your shoes. Loosen up a little. Okay? Let it all 
Just be there. Don't worry about anything that may come. Don't let your mind take you there so that it can maintain control. Don't let your mind keep reminding you of something that has happened in the past. Just be here with the sound of the fan, with the hum or hiss within your own head, with the feeling of this temperature, with the absolute, absolute aplomb that you offer each and every single one of your thoughts that passes by. Let yourself be a big sky with all those clouds, each of them representing a thought in the mind or a feeling in the body. Just let them float by and be that sky. Let that be your teacher. Let that openness be your teacher. Let that direct you towards truth. Language can kind of get in the way here, but I wanted to articulate as best I could the way that we move from the small self into the big self, which is kind of a clumsy way of saying it because the big self actually moves itself through us. We just allow for it to happen. So maybe a better way for me to say this is how do we get out of the way? How do we get out of the way and, and allow that to occur? Uh, and the, the short answer to that is to let go. But to kind of chop that up a little bit and kind of give you some, some ideas to churn and burn with until they burn you out, uh, I need to say that this practice is designed very specifically. It's designed very specifically to help you fail. Sorry, but it is. It is designed to help you fail. I'm sorry I missed it, but I'm sure it was funny. Uh, this is designed to help you fail at recognizing that you could ever get any closer to realization than you already are right now. Meditation shows, up, show, shows us that, that there's no way we can get any closer to God than we already are. That the big self is actually closer than our own skin. We start to see some really, or experience, or intuit, some really amazing things that go way past our minds. We start developing a totally different relationship with all the things in the past that have held us down, that have given us structures, mental structures and templates to work with, 
we start to see them for what they are. And the minute we can see them, we start to recognize that they cannot hold us unless we give them that energy, unless we give permission. We also start to see that future, stuff that could potentially go on, all involves, I want to be really clear about this, all involves loss. The future mental orientation involves loss or potential gain that could always result in loss. And that's where the circumstantial or small self is always, always going. It is seeing itself as always lacking insurance. It is perpetually uninsured. So I want to read to you real quickly. While our small self will always be concerned with bettering its circumstances, the big self is totally at peace with exactly what is available. Your small self might see enlightenment as the main focus of its existence, while the big self can't see what all the fuss is about. Your small self might fear losing control, while your big self sees that there is nothing to control in the first place. Your small self might see itself and others as being a good or bad Buddhist, while your big self sees only Buddhas. So this big self-orientation cannot, must not, will never involve getting locked in our past or our future. That is the domain of the ego because past and future are always on the move. They're in time and time is always, always moving. Okay? But when we recognize the present moment, which is just a name, just like the now is just a name, when we start to actually recognize the present moment, and this is exactly what meditation cultivates within us, that present moment awareness that is neither bound by past nor trampled by fear, or future I should say, keeps us out of the way of pain and fear. Effortlessly. It doesn't deny that pain and fear are there. It doesn't deny past and future. It just gets a different seat in the audience. It sees, it recognizes, it participates by watching. The present moment allows us to forever check in with what's actually going on. And the present moment itself reveals that it is total in its scope. That it is never not now. That reality is fundamentally supported by this now. And relaxing in that space literally opens up the floodgates. Big self-orientation 
just starts permeating. We might get glimpses of it at first. It's like, whoa. And then immediately, if we're present enough, we can see how the mind will try to categorize the experience and say, that was it. I want, I want that again. And then it will try to cultivate anything it can't wait. Okay, when it happened, I was sitting in the evening. I'll try meditating at night. And maybe that can happen again. Do something along those lines. We'll try to get it again. Or here's another trap. Let's go for something better next time. Okay? Well, the experience itself is still trapped in time. The experience itself is temporary. The experience itself is not God, is not spirit, is not the infinite. It's just pointing us in that direction. It's, if you will, the waters flooding through just temporarily before we start trying to qualify and quantify it, which is actually turning the floodgates off, keeping, keeping that flow of awareness from, from happening as freely and as functionally as it might have been allowed to happen moments earlier, days earlier, years earlier. So there's a side note here to this whole talk. <laughs> and that is, it is so critical for you to allow yourselves to fail, to create infinite space around your concept, your idea of success, or your ideal of failure. Or, better yet, your image of what you should look like if you were awakened. If I was enlightened, I would certainly X, whatever that might be. Let go of that. Let go of any type of future worry. The future will take care of itself, dependent on your participation in what's going on right now. If you can be, quite literally, present, your presence becomes a present. If you can allow for whatever has been in the past to be just that, in the past, it helps to push and tilt you one way or another when we're reminded, especially, of darkness that has happened, that has been perpetuated against us, or something that we're just kind of uneasy about, or guilt. Whatever it might be, whatever past or into whatever voices we tend to have repeat themselves in our heads, as long as we're not suffering from some type of psychosis. Whatever those voices might be, can you watch them? Can you just say, oh, hey, I know you. I'm very familiar with you. I hear you a lot. And I don't hate you anymore. It's amazing what that can do. It generates peace. It generates an openness. It generates space around our pain. It generates a nowness around our mind's connection with the past. And once again, this opens things up so that the big self can kind of flow through infinitely. So please let yourself fail. 
please create space around your concept of what that failure might look like. Please allow yourself to succeed and allow space to reveal itself around that concept of success. Please recognize your past. Please recognize your future. Recognize your pain. Recognize your fear. And in that recognition, in that recognition, we disidentify from all of that stuff. Thus, freedom unfolds effortlessly, spontaneously, wherever we might be. In whatever circumstance we might be, we suddenly become imbued with what we can call an ultimate life. Cheers. Yeah, you might have learned a really good lesson. Always listen to your husband. <laughs> That's the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he said it beautifully. He really did. Um, uh, there's, this, there's this old Zen koan where the, the punchline to the koan is not knowing is closest to awakening. Essentially, is what it, I'm paraphrasing the whole, the whole koan, but it's... Uh, this idea that when we know something, we are in essence attached. So the, the divine confusion that can't, comes up as we apprehend this, once again, divine chaos, is a divine unknowing. And that not knowing allows for infinite possibilities. You know, how Suzuki Roshi said that the great line where he says, in the expert, expert's mind, the options are few in the beginner's mind. You know, the options are, are limitless, which again is a paraphrasing, but still it's uh, because I'm horrible with quotes. Um, I just am. <laughs> but I got the main idea. Uh, it's, so, it's so true. We, we get to this space where when we don't know where we are, we have the opportunity not to seek. If you consider what seeking is, I mean, most of us consider ourselves spiritual seekers, However, that sure puts the ego in charge because that means that the ego then has created some, some type of position of lack that needs to be filled. And instead, this teaching is pointing us in the absolute opposite direction, which is recognize that there is no lack. And the minute we can kind of ground ourselves in the present moment is the minute that that truth is revealed. We don't, it's not an intellectual exercise. Well, he says this, so therefore it becomes, oh, there's nothing lacking in this moment. There's nothing lacking in this moment. We are no longer seekers, but we are actually finders. We, we see that there's, there's no way to get any closer to spirit or to recognize the infinity. Uh, you know, we're already there. We're already enlightened. So... To take this back, not knowing. Not knowing means that the mind is kind of slowly but surely, perhaps, Aaron, getting kind of unplugged. 
That's a beautiful sign. Whether or not your husband was right or not, it doesn't matter. But more specifically, I wanted to ask mm -hmm. about when I started this practice, I had what I thought were glimpses of a feeling of connectedness with everything, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and they were very strong. Right. And now that I'm not having those a lot, yeah. I kind of wonder if they weren't real or if they weren't what I thought they were. So you want to know how this kind of works? Well, no, I just, I'm just wondering if... if well, because I want to tell you. <laughs> Is that okay? Okay. It's okay if I tell you? Yeah. Uh, I can't say how common your experience is for people on the path. Um, the seduction happens early and often, usually, and that's what keeps us on the path. Because if it doesn't happen in the beginning, we're probably not going to go for it, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very rare person that will sit down in a cold room uh, on a meditation cushion with their knees in excruciating and agonizing pain after their third period of zazen or whatever it is. You know, they, they've been sitting in meditation and the person that's sitting up in front of them is droning on and on about the present moment. And, you know, they're like, time out. This is a waste of time. I'm going to go watch Monday Night Football or, uh, you know, a rerun of South Park or whatever it is. It's far more, far more entertaining. But the blasts happen usually quickly. Maybe it's one that's significant. Maybe it's a lot of little ones, whatever. And then we, we start on the path and we climb. And lots of progress is usually made very quickly. And at some point there is a plateau that hits. And that plateau is, is just, it's almost as if it's a, it's, it's a, a desert. It's like, man, suddenly everything dried up. And now this is hard. Now this is work. Now this, and that's where we are actually burning away. I'm going to use a Buddhist term here. Uh, that's where we're burning away all sorts of ancient, twisted karma. Karma being all activity that was self-oriented, that came from a separate self. That stuff gets burned away once we go through that desert. Jesus did it. You know? I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, whether it's mythological or true, spiritual, uh, uh, serious, committed spiritual practitioners go through that. All right? And then guess what? Boom! Something happens. And it's unexpected. And it's spontaneous. And it may be that your, your desert experience was incredibly long. It was years, maybe. Or maybe it was just a couple of months. But those months were hell. Fact is, we start going through a very, very difficult stage, and then whammo, something happens. And then guess what? There's another plateau. And then there's a boom. There's another plateau. I'm convinced that this experience of actually climbing the mountain is, uh, and even coming down is a series of plateau experiences. And I, I'm, you know, myself, the minute I have any inkling that I am in a space where I feel really kind of soaked through, the universe gives me something to work with. Okay? You know, great, really great seasoned meditators. I've, I've watched them go through this. And it's very encouraging, you know, to know that. That this is not, you know, that the fact that we run into a juiceless period in our meditation. Where's the juice, man? You know, it's like, that's really normal. And the task? Keep going.
now it's really important to keep going because you know enough to be dangerous, so to speak. You know? You're aware enough that turning back and negating it is going to hurt like hell. May as well, if it's going to hurt like hell, keep going. Yeah? Great question. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. 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 Or not, but whatever. I just thought it was a great question, and, uh, and I always like it from Richard. Great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the plateau experiences? I've been on one for about I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> the twenty-year plateau. Yeah. yeah, boy, don't those suck? I went for twenty years. Yeah. You know, I'm on one. Yep. And I had not thought about this idea that you're burning off the karma. Mm -hmm. I could just stop generating it. <laughs> That's step one. <laughs> Yeah. Because I'm screwing up mm -hmm. at times, you know, and I know I am. Mm -hmm. uh, if I had, well, what I would love to be able to do is play back to you what you just told me. Because what you just articulated so beautifully and innocently was ego, 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 ego. <laughs> okay? And your ego is asking how it cannot be ego. And that'll never happen. So, your what? Yeah, yeah. To talk about topic, talk about a, a karmic, a karmic disaster. Um, the the freedom from that is to watch the eye that feels like it's fucking up. And I want to jolt you right there, you specifically. Okay, watch that eye that feels like failure, epic failure. That sense of lack, Paul, that sense of lack is ego's way of keeping awakening outside. And this is really big stuff. It's really big stuff because you because now what it'll do is it'll keep you on that 20-year plateau and it'll do it another 20 years as, until you're ready, until you're ready. And so there comes a moment when there is some type of decisive um, vow that you make, which is, I am ready. I'm ready to watch this whole thing. And we create then space. That vow helps create space around what's going on. And if there is a sense of total failure, can you watch that failure? Or are you just going to be 
magnetically pulled into the failure and say, how come I'm failing? Instead, the freedom from it is to be, wow, oh my God, look at that major sense of failure right there. What about real failure? There's no <laughs> such thing except no to harm, the ego. Right? Do no harm. Mm -hmm. But I have done harm. Yeah, of course. What do we do with that? What, you know? Watch, watch the guilt. Watch the sense of grief. Watch the pain. Watch, watch, watch. And the minute you can make that vow, I'm going to watch now. Instead of being caught by this, this, this sense of anguish or this worry, I'm going to do it again, or, or whatever it might be, whatever it might be, you commit to watching the fact that it is there. As it is, we watch it. And we start to recognize that that which is being seen cannot take away from us what is doing the seeing. The seer cannot be adjusted, altered, modified, or destroyed. It was never born. It will never die. It's just there. And guess what? The desert becomes an oasis. At least you'll find an oasis. And it's not a mirage. It's real. There'll be enough there to keep you going some more. Can you go back? I mean, you know, I'm serious. I've done hurtful things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that's just a story. It's just a story. I'm just telling you right now, it may be real, but it's just a story to your mind that your ego uses to punish you again and again and again to keep the infinite from showing through your eyes consciously. But should you go back, if you're on the path, mm -hmm. you go back and try to make amends? Sure. If it makes, if it makes the ego feel better. But it's not necessary. It's not necessary for your awakening, okay? It's not necessary for your awakening. However, it might be the right move. What's the most generous thing for all concerned, Paul? If you yeah, let... I keep coming back to do no harm. Right. Well, last time you took antibiotics, you did a hell of a lot of harm to a lot of bacteria. I didn't get antibiotics. <laughs> No, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I mean, you can, we, can turn, we can turn the do no harm into an attachment that will drive us bats. It'll drive the ego nutty. We drive a car. Yeah, we drive a car. Exactly. We do, whatever. We do stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. We do stuff all the time. Well, I fully understand that. I do. Who does? I do. Who's that? Tell me about that. Tell me that. But Tell that is not the same you can, as purposefully hurting someone. Yeah, okay, well then there, there is something right there that clearly there's a lot of energy around it that the eye has, okay? And for, for that in you that is ready to watch that eye experience, okay, and you've got it. It's there right now. It's there right now. If you can give that full attention for just a little bit of time each day, what happens is the guilt which is just anger directed inward, okay, starts to be seen as an experience rather than as a comprehensive shell. Okay? That's the work. And I want to push really hard on this one because it's you. I love you like a brother. I love you like a brother. We've been doing this a while. Okay? 
I don't mean to scare everybody else in the, you know, oh, he's kind of crazy. That <laughs> 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 guy on the cushion's a little nuts. Everybody here is yeah. Sorry. Actually, this is your first time, too. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. No, but there... I'm glad you do. Yeah, right. But there, there is a point. There is a point. There is a point where you will decide, I've had enough. And when you're at that point, then we'll talk. Okay? Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. 